This is the Heartland Community Church Podcast. Today, Lead Pastor Eric Parks begins a new series titled, Out of Style. Heartland, Happy New Year! I mean, it's 2021. You're sitting in your house right now, and it's 2021. Some of you are like, thank God 2020 is over. You know, New Year's coming, all kinds of things are happening. We're only a few days in. Some of you are already making your New Year's resolutions and kind of getting ready for what's to come. But I thought I'd ask some people, you know, one of the things we start to think about when we get into the new year, you start thinking about, well, what is in, what is out? You know, like what's the stuff that that you were going to get rid of in 2020, leave back in 2020? What are we going to bring in style in 2021? So I went around, I asked a few of my friends, what they think about this whole what's in style, what's out of style. I mean, who knows? I, I'm not really a pro. Hey, everybody. Kind of. All right, let's see what these people have to say. What do you, what do you, what's in style right now? What do you think? You're asking what do you, the wrong person. No, no. What's, what do you think? What's in style? Clothing? I don't know. Anything. What, what do you think? Just name me one thing. Or one thing that's gone out of style. Cargo shorts. <laughs> Because when I wear them out and then I see other dads wearing them with Crocs, I'm like, okay, probably not a good choice, Gabe. Gabe's a Gabe doesn't like Crocs. Shout out to Velvet 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 Robot. That's in style. Yeah, I just buy what what clothes my friends make, and then that just keeps it simple. It's a good idea. One thing that's out of style, going out of style. Going out. It could be clothes. Could be. I don't know. Hopefully not a plaid shirt. This hey, is, this is more style. Well, what I heard last night from from some young people is baggy pants are back. Housekeeping. Oh no, what's in style right now? Something is going out of style is. What are we talking about? Behavior? What, what oh, you know about? what? Do you have Crocs? I do have Crocs. Um, that's gonna be a problem. It's gonna be a problem. Oh, Gabe hating on. Nobody Crocs. cares about what Gabe thinks about Crocs. Crocs are great, comfortable as you can see. <laughs> If you say you wear them for comfort, okay, more power to you. But if it's a style thing, I don't, I just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. One thing that's going out of style. Politeness. Oh, that was very deep. What do you think's going out of style? You just said ripped Rip jeans. jeans. What else? <coughs> no furs. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, literally, do you realize that everybody is somehow commenting on stuff you wear? Princess coats? So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next few weeks, and we've titled this series Out of Style, because we're looking at some things that honestly, unfortunately, have gone out of style. Things like goodness, like the fruit of the Spirit, sadly. Now, we are crazy indebted in this series to a guy named Scott McKnight. He wrote this book called A Church Called Tove, and Tove is just short for goodness. It's the Hebrew for goodness. And like I said, over the next six weeks, we're gonna look at, like, what does it mean to be a church that's good, that is filled with goodness? This is our journey as we start the brand new year. You know, it's funny because I think... When we think of what is in style, what's out of style, it's sad to say that this idea of goodness, it is a bit passe. In fact, 
sometimes when we start to use the word good or goodness, it, it makes some people uncomfortable. You know, it's almost like no, you can't say that. Or you can't even claim it. Like if you say, well, I'm good, people say, well, you kind of have a big head or maybe you have an ego. Or, or maybe like even thinking that way um, in such a harsh and cynical world almost feels like we're soft, right? Like be real, dude. Goodness, that, that's like something you think about. That's a nice ideal. But we live in the real world and what's in style in this world is like fend for yourself, pull yourself up from your bootstraps, like be mean and harsh and put people at a distance. Because we look around and we go, but that's the world we live in. And, and it seems like in 2020, there's more of that, not less, that it has become so in style. And yet, as followers of Jesus, we have to ask, is that what's supposed to be in style for us? Well, we know it's not. We know that at the end of the day, that, that Jesus was the ultimate model of goodness, right? Like when we look at Jesus' life, what you see is this man who was approachable and willing and humble and passionate. He was the epitome of goodness. And remember, what Jesus asks us to do is to follow his footsteps. So like, if that's Jesus and he's good, then aren't we supposed to be good too? Isn't that how we're supposed to live? And if it's not in style, church, shouldn't we be bringing it back in style? Isn't goodness, shouldn't that be our calling card, our badge? Like, shouldn't that be what we're known for? A place of goodness and wholeness? We think so. We think that this is the kind of people, the kind of church that God wants for us. You know, Scott was talking about Jesus in his book, and he says this. I think it's so beautiful when he talks about the goodness of Jesus and who we're supposed to emulate. He says, a life designed for death, a death designed for life, and the virtues, virtues of utter goodness in what he taught and how he lived. That's Jesus. You know, the, the Hebrew term, as I mentioned, for goodness is tov, and it's mentioned 700 times throughout scripture. So as followers of Jesus, I really don't care what's come in style and culture. It doesn't really matter to me much if we go, yeah, but that's not realistic. The truth is, in Jesus' life and throughout God's word, a picture of goodness is laid out for us. And that is what we're called to. And that, that's what we gotta bring back in style. So <laughs> tell me, tell me, um, like when we describe God is good. Oh. Why? Why why we say that? Why why would you say if if I said why why is God oh, good? Gosh, tell me. There's so many reasons. Okay, give me give me one. God okay, like I'm thinking about it right now just because like how much Christmas brings up and stuff. And I think that right now, when I think of God being good, God's good even when things are hard or when you're like hurting or when you're remembering. Uh, like I'm remembering my dad this holiday season because he passed about seven years ago. And 
God's still good, like even through all the heartache and stuff. Like he's been good and he shows up and he's always there. So it's just incredible. No, I mean, I think I, this year and the last couple of years, I think there's been obviously a lot of crazy for a lot of people. Um, you know, one of the things that I've seen this year is there. I've had some friends that have just gone through some really painful things. Um, and yet their relationship with Jesus has been such an anchor for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been a really cool reminder for me about how good God is when my friends who are in the midst of some really difficult stuff can can say that, that God is still good in the midst of all that stuff. It has been so challenging for me because I think I, I don't see it when things are good half the time. Mm-hmm. And yet they can see God's goodness in the midst of the difficulty. God shows up. Like, that's the thing I think that's hard for people to remember sometimes. Like, sometimes when you're not thinking about it and you don't know that you see the goodness, like... He'll give you the reminder when you need it. Yeah. So, like, you you got the reminder because of your friends, mm-hmm. your friends that reminded you of God's goodness. Mm-hmm. I see the reminder in little texts that my sister will send me, you know, and she'll just, like, remind me that she loves me and that my dad loves me. I just got married, and she wrote me this beautiful mm-hmm. card, and she talked about how dad would be so proud, and he would love Zach, my husband, mm-hmm. and, like, there's these little moments of goodness. Like, you see God's goodness yeah. in these these ways that he positions people and moments in our lives to make it better. Yeah, it's it's so awesome. True. So God is good. Like, that's where we have to start. You, you, if you don't start there, then really the rest of this goodness conversation, it doesn't really matter much. Like, this is true. In fact, Psalm 119.68 says it this way. It says, you, speaking about God, you are good, and what you do is good. So teach me your decrees. See, goodness is at the center of who God is. He is good. Psalm 23, 6 says this, surely your goodness and your love, it's gonna follow me. That goodness is gonna follow me all the days of my life. See, this is our starting point, that God is good. Like, he just is good. Like, we have to know that, believe it. Just like Kayla and Angie sort of talked about how they see God's goodness in these everyday moments, this is God's goodness. And I thought back to Christmas, just like, can you believe it? It was just like, what, a week ago? But Steve taught us over the weekend about this great gift that God gives us. And I couldn't help but think about, isn't that like the perfect model of just what you point to to go, yeah, God is good. He is good because he gave us Jesus. And in Isaiah, he lays out the four attributes of who God is. Look, this gift, this goodness is who I'm going to give you. He's going to be your counselor. So like he's walking with you all the days of your life, which sounds amazing. I'm going to give you an everlasting father, which means like you're going to have somebody who honestly connects you back to heaven forever. Like you get connected to that. I'm going to give you um, a mighty God, not a halfway God, but a mighty God who will stand with you in the fires of life and kind of be with you, that great promise of a with God life. And then ultimately says, I'm gonna give you a prince of peace, like peace in the midst of all that's crazy. And I think that's what happens when we begin to really understand who God is. We begin to see those attributes in and through our lives. It's not abstract at all. In fact, 
So often when I would ask the question of my friends, like, why is God good? They would always bring up a lot of these attributes because they've experienced this in their life where God has gone with them, spoken to them, has stand, stood by them, where he's been like this mighty fortress in the midst of storms and crazy circumstances. Not abstract goodness, but literally hands-on goodness that they've seen in good times and bad. And this, this has to be the starting point for us. Because see, if God isn't good, then none of this really matters. But he is. He's good. He's been good to me. That doesn't mean like our lives are perfect. That's not what this means. It means he's good. It means that ultimately he looks out for our best interest, that he walks with us through the storms of this chaotic and messed up life. And Jesus is what we see, the manifestation of this wonderfully, incredible, good, gentle, peace-filled, loving God. God, for real, is good. Now, that's where we start. But there's a next step. It's not just that God is good. It's that you were also designed for good. Scott lays this out really clearly in his book, I asked just a few of my friends to read a few sentences that begin to describe this design of goodness for you. Tov is God's design for all creation. He shapes everything for goodness. His turning of the formless and empty into created order gave everything he created a design, a purpose, and a function. Tov is God's artistic evaluation of all he did. In other words, perfect, excellent, just as I wanted. Put differently, Goodness is about beauty, aesthetics, excellence, and what pleases our senses of sight and sound. Like a well-played piano, a coordinated golf swing, the right word for the right situation, a European cathedral that stands above all structures and beckons us to come pray and worship, a beautifully arranged dining room, a well-organized event, a jolly beagle following its nose across the lawn. When we live according to God's design, we become people who love. God's ultimate design is for us to love. Loving God and loving others is all we are called to do. Though it is an all that goes to the depths of our being and transforms our character into love. To love is goodness. God's design for us comes to fruition through a spirit-soaked, spirit-filled, and spirit-directed life. Love is the first fruit of the spirit, and all who are open to the spirit will love God and love others. All who are open to the spirit will be spilled with... Goodness. Goodness. Yeah. Goodness. Perfect. I wanted to say love. A good life develops in us over time. No one, at least no one we've ever met, wakes up on day one of the Christian life instantly, permanently, deeply loving. So this is what Ephesians 2.10 says. The Apostle Paul writes that for you are God's handiwork. In other words, like he made you. He created in Christ Jesus. You were created in him to do good works that he planned up for you, that he prepared in advance for each and every one of us. Like, We, you, are designed for good. Yes, God is good, but you are designed for good. Now, you know how you begin to uncover your design, right? Really simple. We do this by living according to God's design. 
by being soaked in his presence, being filled by his spirit, and then being directed by his spirit. This is what we're designed for. And the truth is, all of us are wrestling with design questions. We are. Every single one of you. You are wrestling with design questions. Like, am I doing what I was made for? Or am I like a knife that somebody's using like a screwdriver? I'm sure you've done that. I know you've done that. I have. Because it's like, well, it's a utility. It kind of fits the thing, so I'll stick it in there, and ultimately I've broken so many knives. But we all wrestle with design questions. Am I a knife trying to twist a screw? Or am I doing what I was made to do? And let me tell you, you were made, you were designed for goodness. It's why like every time you watch one of those sentimental YouTube clips where somebody does something really great for someone, or you heard the story, this was just a few weeks before Christmas, where 900 people in a Dairy Queen drive-through paid for the person behind them. You hear these stories and something in us like lights up. It's that inner thing that God created for goodness that says, yeah, 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 you were made for that. You were made for that. And sadly, for lots of us, we don't pursue the design of goodness in our life. We don't think that that's like really what we're made to do is just go out and be good. Seems Pollyanna. But every once in a while, like somebody, I don't know, they take a risk. They find their design. And they go, oh my gosh, this is good. So... I have a friend, his name is Doug, and many of you know, like, um, I'm super passionate about the work in Southeast Asia. I've been connected to India for years. Corbin and I have gone and filmed a bunch of stuff. We've shown it all around the church, but after my first trip to India, I came back in. God so blew my mind that I was sharing at the church I was at at the time about what God was doing. And after I was done preaching, a guy named Doug came up to me after the service and he was so like emotionally moved, like that good button had been hit in him. And he said, hey, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but have you ever thought about making bikes for all these pastors that we're supporting? And of course I said, no, I don't have any idea about bikes. I never thought of it. He said, well, you know, I'm a bike maker and I had this thought, what if we made them bikes? Bikes that would absolutely be suited to the terrain that they're in, made, not throwaway bikes, real, unbelievably designed bikes. And I'm like, yeah, let's try. And so over the next year, this is what Doug and I went on an adventure to create bikes for men and women in Southeast Asia that could last the terrain, that could meet the need. And I gotta tell you that those 12 to 18 months were such an incredible journey. Not so much for me, I mean, it was, but it was watching that guy step in to his design. It was like goodness just began to encompass him because he knew in that moment, like, I'm designed for this good. Like, this skill that I know how to do, I can put it to use, and this is so amazing. During the COVID-19 outbreak throughout India, I got a text from the organization we work with, and they said, just so you know, 
The bikes that you've deployed in the field were one of the few organizations that have been given access to so many parts of the country to distribute information about the coronavirus. And your bikes, Doug's bikes, were at the center of spreading this message throughout rural parts. In fact, they're like, your bikes, Doug, they're saving lives. That's goodness by design. And you're designed for goodness too, for good works. Absolutely you are. And the moment that we begin to understand it's grounded in the reality that God is good, we can begin to then center ourselves in, oh, I'm designed for good too. This is why the Apostle Paul talks about the fruit of his spirit, that the design has always been, that the fruit that emerges in our lives because of God is goodness. Okay, so here, here's a question. So um, God's design for people is goodness, yeah. right? Like, like, explain that a little bit. Like, um, when Scott says that in his book, that God's design for us is goodness, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? It's the creation story. You know, right at the very beginning, everything that God created, he looked at and he said, it's tov. It's yeah. good. Yeah. And I think when you look at the book of Ephesians, he's like, God created us with a purpose, a good purpose to do good works. And so you weren't just made for no reason, but you were made... And when God looked at you, he was like, it's tov, it's good. And you are able to actually go out and almost pay that goodness forward. And so that's, that's what I think. When we put our gifts on display, when we put our stories on display, when we risk in the right ways for God's glory, we get to share and allow goodness to win. So God's design is for, is for goodness. That's what Scott talks about. Um, have, you, have you ever, have you seen it play out like, Maybe in somebody you loves life. So you said it, it's sometimes harder to recognize it in yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, my son Emerson, he's 12 and he's super tender-hearted, really empathetic. Um, and there's just been moments where, whether it's been hostile, um, whether around religions or races, um, this moment in time it was around um, just real tension around Northwest Suburbs mosques. Mm -hmm. And my son took a canvas and he wrote a prayer and then, and just said, I, I want you to know that God loves everyone always. And um, I hope you know that I love you and so does God. Hmm. And then he just wrote, love Emerson. And then he wrote his age. <laughs> He's 12 now, but he was like nine uh. then. And I just, I just remember just going, that's as innocent and his tove, like nothing, nothing manufactured. It was just like, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. And I, I remember looking at that going, I want to be more like that. I just want to like hear God and go, hey, God loves everyone always. But, but well, sometimes when we hear that, we're like, yeah, but that's what kids do. But that's not what we do, right? That's the biggest challenge is you see it in a kid, think Jesus loved kids, but then we like dismiss it because we're like, oh, they're what naive or they're little and that's a shame yeah totally and I, and I think some some of that innocence and goodness because of life and because of uh, pain because of trauma because of people making fun of you in junior high I think that innocence and goodness gets like just gets closed in and I think 
That's the beautiful piece was when you talk, Eric, about empowering and release. I think it's empowering that goodness to come out. Yeah. That goodness to be seen and recognized in ourselves and um, in our world. Goodness is God's design for all creation. He shapes everything for goodness. His turning of the formless and empty into created order gave everything he created a design, a purpose, a function. Goodness is God's artistic evaluation of all he did. In other words, perfect, excellent, just as I wanted. So God is good. You're designed for good, but here's the key. And it's this center of like Doug's story. But you have to go do good. Like all of it doesn't matter if, if you don't do good. And just as I referenced Jesus at the beginning of the talk, I reference him again. When you see Jesus, he is our model. We are followers of his. And all you have to do is watch the way that Jesus lived. And it is the perfect model of doing goodness. In fact, when you look in scripture, every single time that it says Jesus was filled with compassion, like a nudge to go do something, do you know that he followed it by doing good? In fact, you see this in Matthew 9, you see it in Matthew 14, you see it again in Matthew 15, you see it in Matthew 20, you see it in Mark 1, that filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand. He's always following his compassion with action. And here's why this matters. Because I think far too often as Christians, we can hear the message like, hey, God's good and you're good and we leave it there. In fact, there's been research done that if you are shown compassionate pictures, like you sit in an environment where you see pictures of people in need and maybe you're given a message about that need, that just by seeing and hearing compassionate words and having compassionate thoughts, you can convince yourself that you're a compassionate person. But just having goodness thoughts doesn't make you good. You have to be like our rabbi and then go do good things. We have to put our hands to good things that must be done. We have to be this kind of community, a community where every encounter with people from this church, people are left with joy. When people interact with us, they look and say, wow, those people are just filled with goodness. Now look, I know we're not always perfect. I'm certainly not. We get in lines, we get impatient, but we have to strive to be a community that does good. Not because it's the politically correct thing to do, but because when the spirit begins to envelop our lives and we invite him in, it has to be the fruit that we bear. This is our great calling not to create churches that just have nice programming, good music, nice kids spaces, not to be a church that sits on the corner and is a light into the community. We are to be a place of goodness and wholeness 
We have to be that kind of community, Heartland. We have to strive and work and push individually to recognize that from him, through Jesus, his spirit will create the design of goodness in us and then we go and do. It's this beautiful cycle that he is good. We follow the likeness of Jesus. His spirit envelops us and then we go and do good and it is this virtuous cycle. And that virtuous cycle speaks volumes to a community and a world where goodness is out of style. But it can't be here. No, no. I can tell you what we're doing in 2021 and beyond. We are bringing goodness back in style. You've been listening to Lead Pastor Eric Parks with part one of the series titled Out of Style. You can experience the service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.